0: Hello and welcome to As It Comes, life from a musician's point of view. I'm Davina, I'm a cellist based in London, and my goodness, it's been a while, hasn't it? Four months? How did I manage to make a podcast every ten days? Well, it's not like I've not been podcasting, I produce another podcast every week, but efforts for this one has been lacking. Thank you for tuning in. And I know you haven't asked, but just to fill you in with what I've been up to over the last wee while, I did a two-month run of a show called Spring Awakening at the Almeida Theatre, which was awesome. So much fun. And yes, I did that in addition to my full-time job. How? No idea, really. Well, with caffeine and not enough sleep, obviously. (laughs) I got hit by the Omicron just after Christmas, which was annoying because I missed a week of the show, but I was super grateful to my deps for covering me. Shout out to Molly and Dan if you're listening. I've been working at Strad still, that is, I've not been fired yet, which is great news all around. And back in November, I spoke to the man whose voice you're about to hear. November was a while ago and I really had to cast my mind back to then. After work one day, and before I'd started my show, I sat down to have a conversation with Fred Thomas. Fred is a cat lover, producer, arranger, composer, multi-instrumentalist. You'll hear in the chat, he plays, and he does a lot. Here it is. So, I'll just, um, let me just check that that's working. It is. I did an interview recently where my mic just stopped working. And it was completely flatlined. Gutted. <laughs> and it was with um Shaku Kenna Mason. I was like, oh, this is really awkward. Oh no. So, yeah, always the way.
1: I'm sure he was very gracious about it.
0: Yeah, it was with him and his sister, and and they were both like, oh, no worries, no worries at all. <laughs> but, um, nice. Yeah, it was kind of annoying, but um yeah, let me kick things off officially. Um so. Uh, Fred, welcome to the podcast. Um, It's nice to speak to a non-string player because I do spend a lot of my professional life speaking to string players, so it's lovely for me to get a different perspective on life from a pianist's point of view.
1: I'm super happy to be invited. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, well, you're very welcome. Um thanks for being here. First of all, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your musical journey because I understand that your father was leader of the CBSO during the Simon rattle years. Tell me a little bit about your musical journey, you know, living in a what I assume quite musical household and with your upbringing.
1: Yeah, it was it was a very musical household though it was never kind of shoved down my throat. I like to think that that's, that's a kind of good way to go with kids, that if you surround them with, with possibilities for playing, you know, just like, like games involving music, involving instruments and other musicians, then they take to it or not. Um, and in my case, I, I definitely did. I also, they also did take me to a lot of concerts, so I saw my dad play a lot, you know, like pretty much every week and that obviously went in somehow too. There were instruments in the house, beautiful piano. I heard my dad practicing and rehearsing with his friends. In fact, I think I woke up most mornings to the sound of my dad's violin, um, <laughs> which...
0: Wow, what an, what an alarm clock, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's way better than my, my, my current one, and, and it seemed to work, because I, I didn't have a problem getting up when I was a kid. Now it's like, you know, being born again every morning. The trauma it depends of on
0: what he was practising, though, right? Like, what kind of things? Yeah, he, Here he, I am talking about string stuff again. Yeah. But, yeah, what kind of stuff would well, he practise?
1: <laughs> he would practise, I guess, pieces. He wouldn't practise, like, technical stuff that much. So it was, like, just the pieces that he loved or, or stuff he was playing in, in the orchestra or in his chamber music group. My mum also is a music lover, not, not a professional musician, but she loved music, and um, we had a beautiful record player with lots of lps that she brought over from argentina which is where she's from oh, wow. and so we had like the complete collection of lost beatles amongst other things so i i listened to loads of records and when once i got a cd player in my room i think a big a, a big like influence on me was just listening to cds by myself um mm. especially like before going to sleep and during sleep um i had like a couple of favourite records that I just listened to on on repeat, like really obsessively at a quite young age. And they're, they're sort of, yeah, stuck in my mind forever and ever.
0: Can I ask, do you still do that? Because you mentioned that you have trouble waking up now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that might be the reason. Actually, I actually hadn't thought of that. <laughs> um, I found that my listening habits have changed a lot over the years. And I don't listen compulsively to music like I used to i do look for new music a lot like i d- like to discover new music all the time but i don't yeah i don't so i don't often go to bed listening to music anymore but when i do i do actually have <laughs> a dedicated playlist called sleep oh, okay. <laughs> which <So> is like <laughs> go to sleep yeah yeah and it's got like all of my favorite music on it actually so that it has got like Lester Young and Chet Baker and Jean Gilberto and some Bach and some like Chopin stuff like that.
0: Yeah it's quite incredible isn't it because I would agree when I was a child I would listen to music compulsively as mm. you say and then that's the kind of music that you never really forget Yeah, it's the kind of music that if you listen to again now you'd be like oh that just takes me right back. It's like when you smell something familiar Definitely. Like you hear something familiar and you're like oh I'm 14 years old again and I'm listening to this in bed or something.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So then, you know, with that in mind, and it sounds like, well, you've illustrated that you listen to a really wide range of musical genres and you also work in quite a wide range of musical genres. So how did that lead into you becoming, you know, a pianist, also a producer working with so many different styles of music?
1: Whew, um, I mean, I do play string instruments too, so... Uh,
0: I like, can't escape stringed instruments, yeah, can I? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I got you there, sorry. I mean, um, right. it was never a decision, obviously, like, in the same way that nothing is ever really a decision, or at least it wasn't for me. Like, to take be, becoming a musician wasn't really a decision. It, it just kind of happened, thanks to all, you know, in my environment, I guess. I started playing the piano that was the first instrument i started to play like very young and then and then i took up the cello when i was about 10 which play. led which led to the double bass and led to jazz via the guitar i played like in a rock band when i was a teenager I played electric guitar like really <laughs> really really lame psychedelic rock <laughs> which i absolutely loved <laughs> and uh, <laughs> involving lots of magic mushrooms but anyway we won't go there and, um, <laughs> wow, So <laughs> that's a story for another podcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was always playing drums and guitar kind of socially for fun because my best mate had a studio. It was always just, a curi- just curiosity about instruments and the fact that some situations just lend themselves to a particular instrument. So even now people will approach me and say, could you play piano on this? Or let's do a concert. I'd like to play piano. And I might be like... Piano, I don't really feel piano in this scenario. Like, for whatever reason, my sense of taste tells me that the piano is wrong for this. And so I just hear a different instrument there instead. And so I obviously yeah. have, like, there's a limit. I have a limited range of possibilities to what I can play. But nevertheless, there's still some options. So it's like styles of music, you know, when you feel like you want a hit of... Mm, Senegalese choral music then you listen to that like and that will give you a really particular feeling so there's some music that's just like absolutely global and Bach is like that in a way but other music is very specific and it gives you it's for specific moments of your life or specific uh, scenarios and the same is true for me with instruments so like if I feel like playing really complicated contrapuntal music then the piano is great for that or if I feel like I need to like play something really singing then like a a viola da gamba might be the best option or if i want to accompany a song then maybe a guitar might be right you know so the the kind of the music dictates which instrument is is correct for a particular moment
0: yeah it's quite a wide palette you have there you know different colors different emotions Um, each instrument can offer something new i like what you said about being curious though because as a teenager, I also too dabbled a little bit in double bass and mm, nice. bass guitar and therefore guitar. And that's the kind of thing that it can happen quite organically. You know, if you let it lead you, mm. I think, and you often find yourself down a road that you didn't expect you would go down. Not that I really pursued bass guitar much further um <laughs> Certainly, certainly, didn't take any magic mushrooms either <laughs> um, but you can definitely see how each instrument informs the other, you know
1: yes, definitely, they feed into each other all the time, and it's like learning languages once you've learned two or three, then it gets uh, most of the time at least it gets kind of increasingly easier because you learn i mean essentially they're like it's like how to cheat or how how to at least how to take shortcuts, you know, like mm-hmm. how to cut loads of extra time out that you might have spent on your first or second instrument. So yeah. I, I'm really into, like, cheating um, in that way <laughs> and and that might have been the same I don't know if it was the same with you when you played electric bass but, like, you might have used you know, cello techniques that you had
0: Yeah, you have a sort of framework set and then you can depart from there. I, I, yeah. I know that for me you know, cello, going to double bass you could... Some of the technique does inform on the double bass, but it's not completely the same. Um, but then also, like double bass, tune in fourths, bass guitar exactly the same tuning, bottom four strings of the guitar, and then you can see how it all kind of works from there. And it's and it's a bit of a template in that way. So, like when you say you're cheating, it's kind of like you know you're just finding a way to make your life. Easier. exactly so it's just like musical it's just
1: musical way. intelligence isn't it like it's just not n- finding knowing how to find your way through it and yeah the difference between cello and double bass i mean it's 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 hu- it's, it's 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 tiny actually like 90 percent is the same stuff in my opinion at least
0: <laughs> I'm married to a double bass player so i may disagree there it, but it <laughs> does leave
1: it does lead to some uh it depends how, how you consider technique you know how how kind of mm-hmm. traditional or conservative you want to be in your in your and you're thinking about technique, like if you want to play exactly as, as you're told to, by you know the powers that be, then there's a big difference. But if your approach technique is slightly more creative, then there can be huge, huge overlaps.
0: I do agree. There are overlaps between the two instruments.
1: I mean, in general,
0: learning either of them to a specialised degree, though, it's well, it's that classic thing that the the more closely you look at something, the more you realise the differences. I guess. Yeah.
1: But so this is a really interesting thing because what you say that but actually when I think about it I I probably just I probably disagree but I disagree from the perspective of how I feel when I play. So like it always mm. kind of feels the same. <laughs> if you see what I mean. From my perspective like when I'm playing a, a double bass or when I'm playing any string instrument is sent like the essential feeling. Let's just say a bowed string instrument, you know, could group those together or even just a plucked string instrument like a guitar or if you're plucking it, a double bass or whatever. The basic feeling to me is always the same. It's different for everybody. It's, for it's sure.
0: different, yeah. That, that's why I, I don't want to say anything that sounds like I'm insulting you. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> I'm willing, I'm willing. Obviously, it's like a different level of, or a different kind of dynamic of comprehension. Yeah. Not level so much. No, but that's really interesting. I, I like talking about like versatility and curiosity and things like that. But yeah, moving on, casting your mind back to March 2020 Mm. you know how did you feel when the pandemic hit like did you manage to find something positive out of all the crap that happened for musicians I
1: think I was incredibly lucky during this whole period unbelievably lucky because I managed to be in certain places where stuff wasn't locked down yet I was still performing with, with a trio, with a trio, <coughs> Alina Dooney, Rob Luft and myself managed to kind of stay ahead of the lockdown for a while because we were, we were in Egypt, for example, so in Egypt everything was slightly um, better at that stage and so we were invited to Cairo Jazz Festival, for example, and um, so I got, got to like visit the pyramids like literally by myself which was a comp- wow. like a, a you know just genuinely once in a lifetime experience um stuff like that happened to me like I was so lucky with all the horror and uh, you know I appreciate that it's it's sort of problematic to be so positive about something so awful mm-hmm. but I genuinely did have mostly a great time and and then I also spent a lot of time in Italy where I was sort of half living traveling around the south and in Tuscany so yeah i was incredibly lucky and in, in, in terms of music i was also able to do a series of streamed concerts from a wonderful place in in rotherhithe in london called Sands film studios um so i invited when when the lockdown was lifted we started to, to invite uh, some of my favorite musicians in london to come and play with me and to do short interviews a bit like this one Um so i had some amazing people come and just to share music with me. That was amazing. Yeah, beautiful.
0: I think that's made even more poignant after the pandemic, don't you think? Well, I say after the pandemic, during yeah. the pandemic, because I feel like there was this huge influx of these conversations happening. I will just point out that this podcast did start before the pandemic, you know, it was cool. But I think that it really highlighted the importance of human connection and having conversations. And Did you feel like this is something that you would? were really missing when you were doing it last year.
1: Yes and no. Like I miss my friends terribly, but I was also living with my partner and some of my family and we had a lot of communal stuff going on. So I I wasn't starved of kind of human connection, but yeah, of course I miss I miss my friends and some of my family who who I couldn't see. I'm also quite into solitude and and sort of being home and working on music and I, we spent a lot of time watching movies and a lot of time cooking you know the usual stuff like so if I'm if I'm honest like it was mixed you know it wasn't so difficult as it I know it has been for for a lot of people
0: yeah there's that classic difference between being alone and being lonely and you can't feel really lucky if you're in that position where you you can be alone and actually take solace in that and yeah but know that you've kind of got that support network around you definitely yeah if i'm completely honest there were parts of the pandemic where i felt like it was i felt a sense of relief you know because i was very busy before the pandemic and yeah
1: and did you spend it by yourself
0: no, I was um, with my husband and our cat. Um. Oh yeah,
1: cats, cats, <laughs> cats are fundamental in these situations. I also. Have... I'm
0: so glad you said that. Fundamental, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I wasn't alone, and I was definitely not lonely because um, I had the two of them keeping me company. But I did feel a sense of relief in the sense that there was a lot of kind of noise going on in my head, you know, just thinking about logistics of my day to day before. Everything shut down. But it was quite nice. You know, there's that feeling of guilt saying it because you're like, oh, it was so horrible for so many people. But it was quite nice for me to get up and be like, I don't have to think so much today. Mm -hmm. It probably was a bit of a break that I needed so that now that things are starting up again, I sort of feel a little bit more ready for it. That's
1: great. Perhaps. That's great.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about live music coming back now?
1: I mean, I've been I've been touring for for a few for, for a little while now, and it's been exhausting because of for for, what, for the reason you just said. You know, we got used to something else and thought, do all this crazy traveling. Think, how the hell did I do this before? Like, yeah. But of course, I'm super grateful for for these opportunities to travel and play, and people have been very receptive. But live music, like. I'm a bit. I'm a bit of a weird one about live music. I love performing and I love going to concerts. I lo- I go to a lot of gigs to listen, but I don't need. You know how some people like love to play every night. You know, like I've got like especially jazz musicians who are just like the obsessive types, and they do like yeah. six gigs a week. You know.
0: Yeah, or they're just always noodling away. Yeah, I just like, could oh never
1: God. do that. I just could never <laughs> do that. Like you know yep. w- once a week is more than enough for me so I don't need like okay. to play yeah. like I love playing and I love but a lot of my like m- interaction with music is either like just thinking about music or listening or producing or composing arranging it's not always like the performative aspect so yeah that's just a fundamental but you know more or less small ish aspect of the whole thing for me how, how, how about you
0: yeah, I mean, I think because I'm literally thinking, reading, talking about string playing all day every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not spending so much time playing mm. as much as I used to. Right. So that has been quite a shift for me and quite interesting because it's always been doing all the playing, you know, a bit of talking in terms of communicating whilst teaching, mm. but not so much the the thinking, the reading, the Well, I mean, I do a lot of like editing of what other people think about string playing. And so, yeah, it's just a shift, I think. This is why I still consider myself a musician, even though I'm not making music all the time and I have a nine to five desk job. Like you're still a musician, but your experience of music is just different.
1: Definitely, I can relate to that for sure. And um, one of the things I most enjoyed during the pandemic actually was, was writing a few things. About music, essays, and stuff. So, to the live music, yeah, I'm I'm incredibly grateful, but I'm not like desperate to go out and play all all the time, you know.
0: Yeah, I need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But I
1: do. I play with people who I play with people who are like that. So I can see. I can see like the desperation as well, you know.
0: I yeah, I'm kind of similar. I think I don't. I don't need to play it all the time. But when I do, I think it just means that when you do, you enjoy it more, mm. perhaps. Or you can, you're can you giving it the justified amount of energy you want to give it. I thought we'd move on now to the wild card question round. Long time listeners of this podcast will know what this is. But basically, this is your opportunity to choose what I ask you next based on three choices that I present you. So, your three choices are, and you can choose one of them, alternate paths, our second question, which we kind of covered already, but I'll ask it anyway, other instruments, and because I'm a little bit hungry right now, food.
1: Uh, Ah, I mean, I love cooking, but let's go with alternate paths because that sounds up my street.
0: So, if you weren't a musician... I'm really curious to hear your answer for this because you've already mentioned that it wasn't so much of a choice for you. you. You just, you you just sort of became a musician. But if you weren't a musician, what would you be?
1: Yeah, I have I have thought about this not because I've ever con- even remotely considered not being a musician, but because I'm into lots of other things. So I've got a ready-made answer for this. It's in fact two things. Yeah. I guess in second in second place would be a wildlife photographer because that would that would marry photography with my love of animals. I love photography and I love animals more than humans. Am I oh, allowed to say yeah. that? I, I think I hear you. No, no, that's
0: that's fine. You're you're in the right company here. Okay, great, great, great.
1: great. <laughs> so you know, like just making making those epic nature documentaries and just sitting like in the jungle for. Hours and hours and hours trying to, trying to capture something would be would be awesome. But in first place, I think the ultimate, at least in the arts, the ultimate job is being a film director because you have to do everything, 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 everything. You have to deal with actors, you have to deal with people, you have to be like a psychologist, you have to think about the music, the story, the style, the costume. It's just a combination of every single possible art form and I just love movies and would love to make a movie one day in fact i'm gonna make a movie one day whatever it is i've already made a spaghetti western in the south of spain involving lots of spaghetti with my friends but that was that was uh to you know no one is allowed to see that but one day gonna make a movie for sure
0: fab well you've heard it here first (laughs) we're gonna hold you to that and you're gonna let us know when it's out (laughs) fabulous well um thank you so much once again for being on the podcast and sharing with us your musical journey and your musical insights
1: thank you thank you so much
0: that was fred thomas you're listening to fred's transcription of Bach's air check the show notes to see where you can find out more about fred and that's it for today special thanks to ros nagy for my logo and daniel alms for my jingle Huge thanks to Fred for sharing his story with me. And as always, thank you for listening and for your patience and support. If you like what you hear, you can support the podcast by buying me a coffee on my coffee page. The link is in the show notes. You can get in touch at asitcomespodcast at gmail.com or on the website asitcomes.com. You can also get in touch with me via Instagram and Facebook, where I highly recommend you give me a follow and a like at As It Comes Pod. I do check my Instagram occasionally. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you to those who have already done so. Thanks for continuing to spread the word. Even when I leave this podcast alone for a very long time, it's nice to see that people are still listening. So thanks so much. Chatty soon and take good care. Bye.